Hello, everybody. It is Lingard's podcast. In this episode, we invited Dan Lang, who is a Peace Corps volunteer from the USA. We talked about the efficient way to learn language and traveling experience of him. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hi, I'm Daniel Lang, a Peace Corps volunteer from the United States. I teach here in the city of Ayrton, English at a university, and also in community clubs. So when I'm not teaching English, I also teach Chinese and do what I can to fulfill whatever needs are helpful to people here. And I just want to note that whatever I say here, these are my views, not the views of the U.S. government nor the views of Peace Corps. Just my personal opinions and how I see the world. Okay, yeah, cool. How about sharing your experiences about teaching in Mongolia? And is there any features of English learning in, among the Mongolian students? Or what was the interesting thing in you teaching English to them? Great. Well, for me, since I come from the United States, often Mongolians will tell me that I seem very extroverted compared to them, and. The truth is, I'm actually more of an ambivert. While I might be more outgoing, perhaps, than many Mongolians, I think by comparison to other Americans, I'm not always the the most outgoing person. But that's one of the first things I think a lot of times Mongolian students learning English can feel pretty shy and. I find that I often try to encourage them by saying, first of all, mistakes are essential. Mistakes are part of the learning process, and I think sometimes that's difficult for people to accept. I know in the U.S. too. I mean, that's something that when I was a journalism student, I used to do journalism, public relations before coming to Mongolia. We would often talk about how it's important to make mistakes, learn from them, improve from those, and if we don't make mistakes, we're not going to learn as quickly. So I think that's one of the biggest things I've found. Sometimes being willing to say something that could be wrong is sometimes difficult for students. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I used to like them when I was in high school.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's many peace corps in my town in Ildenet. They were running some English class. And、yeah. organizing some activities, but we were we were really really shy, and we didn't <laughs> even we we know the answer. We didn't tell that it was so <laughs> ridiculous, and I realized that it was the really wrong way to learn language. If you make mistake, it is one step to learn language. I understand very late, and yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. Now we're sharing with the readers how or the listeners how they can improve. Yeah, but they can realize soon, I think. Yeah, I think for me, when I was in China, I spent a few summers in China learning Chinese in that environment, and. For me, oftentimes I would, if there was anything I wasn't quite certain of with the Chinese language, I would just ask the teacher immediately, and so I might be asking a lot of questions in class. But especially during the summer 2018, that was a U.S. Department of State program where. We couldn't speak English, so we could only we were only allowed to speak Chinese, and I had、yeah. to learn just how to say everything, or I just wouldn't be able to say it at all. Wow, that was really challenging, I think, because Chinese is the grammar is a little bit similar to English, but 
not completely. And、mm-hmm. yeah, speaking Chinese is so hard, I think, because、oh, poor tones and yeah, that was really challenging experience, I think. <laughs> oh, I agree.、Uh, if you want, I can talk about in general, both with English and Chinese, some ways that I've learned the languages. Would you like that? Okay, yeah, yeah sure. Sure, okay. So, as you said, Chinese grammar is. Kind of similar to English, but you're right, there are a lot of differences. And to me, what is above all the most important way to learn a language is by using it. I think immersion is the supreme way to learn a language. And even for me, when I was learning Mongolian, I was living with a host family. So I would have my Mongolian language classes all in Mongolian. Then I would go back to my host family who would speak to me in Mongolian. <laughs> And so I would learn how to guess meanings. And I think that's something that is essential for learning a language. That not everything is going, not, you don't need to know everything 100% correctly. But if you can start to guess what a word means without having to check your dictionary or ask someone, then you can start to piece together things faster. And then after. After guessing the meaning, then you check what it actually is. That can help you remember it better because then you can correct yourself if you made a mistake or you can reaffirm with yourself that you guessed it correctly and that can build your confidence. So, speaking the language or writing the language or reading the language or listening to the language, those are all. How someone learns a language. And for me, of course, English is my first language because I was born and raised in the United States. But to learn Chinese, even though I, stu- I started learning it as a university student in 2015, and I studied it for two years at my university. But what really helped me was when I studied abroad during the summer 2017 in Shanghai. And in Shanghai, I was in a Chinese speaking environment. And Even though not every person spoke Chinese, I, I met a lot more people who spoke it and learned much more quickly about what I didn't know. And so that helped me. And then when I went back and I kept practicing again in that intensive environment where I was not allowed to speak English, that taught me very quickly that I didn't know classroom vocabulary. I didn't know how to ask clarification questions in Chinese. And I think those are the building blocks of learning a language. For me, when I studied Mongolian, I would start with phrases like enyue because then I could just point to something and ask someone what the word is. And I think in English, when students learn those phrases like what is this, then a student can also learn. English words much more quickly with a native speaker. And then also, when it comes to learning languages, I think it's good to have a foundation of the grammar. So, in English, I like to tell people that word order is very important, that we have a verb. Than an object because in Mongolian it's very different. And、yeah. in Chinese, I like to explain that Chinese language is kind of like music the way that the words have tones that go up, tones that go down, tones that stay the same. And so, I, a story I often say is when I first arrived in Shanghai, China, and we were in a Chinese conversation class, my teacher, the way she said my name always sounded like a san because it would be Lin Dani. And 
I had never heard someone say my name quite like that before, and I realized that my own name in Chinese had tones because all Chinese <laughs> words have tones. Yeah. <laughs> so I think definitely by being in those immersive environments, but even just by speaking the language, being unafraid to make mistakes, those are the ways that. Will really help you get better at any language. Yeah, really amazing experience for you. You were in the environment of that language, for example, in Shanghai or USA or Mongolia. But、mm -hmm. for the people who unable to go there, how should they learn language? Oh yeah, of course. I think the most important thing is to find local speakers of the language. When I got back from China, actually, I helped create Chinese speaking clubs at my university, so that. Other students learning Chinese could practice speaking Chinese, even if none of us were native speakers. And eventually, we found native speakers, and they helped even more. And luckily, in cities like Erdna, we have community speaking clubs that. Do have other Peace Corps volunteers, or have other volunteers from other countries who speak the native language. And even if you don't have native speakers, as long as you have people who are dedicated to speaking the language you're trying to learn, then ultimately it, that'll give you exposure, and you can learn from them. Another thing I recommend is to look for study abroad and scholarship programs because. I know for sure there are, of course, pro programs that the U.S. Department of State has that allow Mongolian students and Mongolian working professionals to go to America, and those are through the U.S. Embassy. So you can Google those. But for me, the programs that I went to in China, I was able to get scholarship funding for, and. Even though I wasn't learning as quickly at my university before I went, certainly that study abroad experience helped give me a bigger perspective on the language, and also again gave me lots of practice. So, that, those are some of the best things. But even still, you can immerse yourself in the language by listening to music, listening to podcasts like this one, and by reading books too. I've found that sometimes some of the best English-speaking Mongolians I have met have learned English. They tell me. Through Cartoon Network, and so it it really is possible to pick up a lot of language simply from just listening to it, because that's still exposure. And little by little, you can start to apply what you learn in classrooms, what you learn in speaking clubs. To what you're hearing on these cartoons. Yeah, and what are the other ways to learn language? What do you think about the reading books? I think what's essential is having goals because any method can get you to wherever you want to be. But if you don't know where you want to be, then it's difficult to decide what method. So, for example, with me, I'm a Catholic Christian and. I attend church in Mongolian. So some of my Mongolian language learning goals are to be able to understand some of the prayers, to understand the songs that we sing, understanding the Mongolian and understanding what it means in English. So that's one of my language learning goals. So to achieve my Mongolian language learning goal, I work with. Other Mongolians who are Christian and know the words, and I will sometimes get tutoring from them on Sundays, where I can show them a prayer, I can circle words that I don't recognize, or I can circle grammar that I don't understand what it means, 
And then maybe for an hour a week, someone from the church helps me figure that out. So that's my method. And of course, going to church, singing the songs. One thing that I also encourage people if they like to sing is that doing karaoke is really great because a song sounds correct when you sing it correctly. And so singing is a wonderful way to figure out if you know a language well or if you're pronouncing things well because if you're pronouncing it correctly, then the song might rhyme, the words might rhyme together, or there might be alliteration because it's poetic. And even if you don't know all the words' meanings, definitely when I sing Mongolian music, I don't know all the words' meanings, <laughs> but yeah. I can still be able to practice moving my lips, be able to make the Mongolian language sound. So those are that's just my personal example. But when you have certain goals, then you can decide, okay, do I need to go to one-on-one -on -one tutoring for this? Do I just need to attend a speaking club for this? Because ultimately, if your goals are, say, test-focused, like IELTS, sometimes it really is helpful to be in an IELTS class where you can get professional advice about things you need to work on. But if you know a lot about your weaknesses already, like maybe you know that you just need speaking practice. Well, if you just need speaking practice, then sometimes the speaking club is all you need. Wow, I think it, it will be very useful for the listeners who struggling English. Yeah, mm, from, great. from I also learned Chinese by singing song and watching movies because it's far more better than just practicing grammar. <laughs> yeah, grammar sometimes feels like the most boring part of learning a language in my opinion. Yeah, and the most people give up during when they learn another language because they think that it is boring or something. And yeah. what do you do when it is, it is really hard to learn? For example, learning Chinese is kind of hard because there's <laughs> hundreds and yeah. Uh -huh. What do you think about that? Well, the first thing I do is take a break. <laughs> I, I really believe in taking breaks when trying to do anything difficult because so often we, we put in so much energy and then we feel exhausted. We're like, what is the point? Why am I doing this? Why am I suffering? And I think when we take breaks, we remember how fun life is and we remember our goals. We remember why am I doing this at all? And for me, actually, when I was first starting to learn Chinese, it, it was more like just a hobby. I thought, well, I needed to actually learn a language for my college degree. And so I thought, eh, I'll pick Chinese because half my family is in China. And so I thought, oh, this would be cool to maybe one day speak to my relatives. But when right before I went to China, my mother passed away. And so for me, learning Chinese became a way that I could be able to read my mother's writings. It would allow me to speak to those relatives, but speak to them in the ways that my mother used to, because I learned that in my family, my mother had sort of been a go-between between the American relatives and the, the Chinese relatives. And so that was a personal goal, that I could be able to speak to my relatives. But as many Chinese people like to tell me, uh, man man lai, it's okay. You, you can go slowly, you can take it easy because 
like you don't need to learn an entire language in one night. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love how, I mean, at first I didn't love that. I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, don't tell yeah. me to go slower. Ah. But eventually <laughs> I, I let that cultural idea sit with me to, to take it easy because I mean, yeah, I'm only 22. I've, I've got plenty of time to, to learn these things. And so taking a break, step one, just step away from whatever is making you feel bored and reevaluate. Think, okay, why is this boring me? Sometimes it's you just need a different approach. Like to me, learning grammar is one of the least effective ways to learn a language. I, I like to learn grammar only when I keep hitting a wall. When I feel like I can't figure something out on my own, then I turn to a grammar book and I'm like, ah, yes, that's that's what I'm forgetting. <laughs> or what I didn't know. Sometimes it's just a matter of grammar I didn't know. And to me, by learning through practice, learning through, frankly, watching movies, those are moments where you can quickly figure out what you already know and you can quickly figure out what you don't know. And then for me, I like to take notes either on my phone or in a notebook, the things that I heard but didn't get. And then either with a local friend or with a tutor, if I have one, then I bring those to the, that person and say, hey, can you please help me understand these things? And oftentimes my tutors or my friends are kind of amazed. Like, you heard that, Daniel? <laughs> like, I think it was Igo San or something was something I heard. And I was like, what does this Igwe mean? And they, they explained like the colloquialism to me. And I, so again, I think if you're feeling bored, try to think about what might be making you bored and go from there. Because if your goal is to learn the language, then I don't think you should give up just because you feel bored. Maybe it's just that you're stressed. Maybe you need food. Maybe you're hungry. So think about those things too. Yeah, great. Okay, now we'll talk about your traveling experience. Anyway, mm, how fun. Yeah, how many countries did you go to and yeah, what were the countries and what was the amazing thing you saw or you experienced? Great. Well, I have been to five countries officially, maybe six, depending on your worldview. The first one is America. I was born in the United States. Then when I was in first grade, we visited Canada, but I was probably six years old. So my memory of that is not the best. But yeah. then, yeah, fast forward to my university years. And when I was a 10th grader, just going on to my, oh, ten, not 10th, but sophomore year, second year in college, going on my third year in college. So I was 19 years old, turning 20. That's when I went to China for the first time. Then last January, actually, almost this time last January, I went to Taiwan. So I was in Taiwan doing some research and travel there. And finally, then actually, literally this time last year, I had gone to Panama. And so that's in Central America. Yeah. So those are the, the countries I've been to. And Panama is a Spanish-speaking country. And just a little story about that. When I was in high school, Spanish was my required language to learn. So I can relate to Mongolians who say, ugh, I don't want to learn English. They told me I have to, ugh. <laughs> because for me with Spanish, I, I had to. So I learned it for my ninth and 10th grade years, a little of my senior year as well. And I, I just felt like I, I wasn't connecting with the teachers. It was too difficult. But when I got to Panama last year, 2019, I realized I, I was able to 
speak a little bit and I was able to understand a lot more than I expected. So if that's a confidence boost to people, when you travel, maybe you will discover you know more about the language than you thought you did. And so those are the countries I've been to. What specific travel experiences about these things would you like to know? Did you shock when you go to the another countries? Oh, of course. Culture shock. Yeah. Yeah, culture shock is real for any of you who've <laughs> never been outside your country. Oh man, it is so real. And I think one of my favorite things is reverse culture shock. So this, when you when a person goes to a con- another country or frankly just another culture, we get this thing where suddenly we we think it's cool and then we think it's not cool. We're like, where is all this stuff I'm familiar with? And then after that, we eventually kind of level out plateau and we're like okay this isn't actually that bad it's it is still pretty cool and so that's this a cycle of adjustment but then when we go back to the country we came from then it happens again in a different way <laughs> so then we're like oh wow it's so great to be back and then we're like oh no we don't have the cool things we liked in the other country and then eventually we we level out again and for me i think one of the the habits that seems so so enduring for me <laughs> was my first time in Shanghai it was literally the first week i had arrived and in china we had to boil our water to drink it in the us we at least where i lived we didn't have to boil the water the city water was already purified so anyway i filled up my kettle and then i put it on the the boiler and hit the little boil button thing and then it boiled for me But what I didn't realize is that water is like scalding hot <laughs> because it was boiling, so very hot. So I drank that water and burned myself pretty badly. And like it, it wasn't severe, but it hurt for a week. <laughs> so that was painful. But in China, people drink hot water with lots of their meals anyway. So over the course of that summer, I got used to drinking hot water. and to the point that when my study abroad classmates other people from america when they went to restaurants in china they would ask the waiter for cold water and the waiter would look at them like they're weird like you're asking for cold water why do you want that <laughs> so i would just order the hot water i'm like whatever i'm adjusting but when i got back to the us actually sometimes i felt uncomfortable ordering the cold water so i would tell the waiter oh can you get me hot water and the waiter would look at me like i'm weird <laughs> and think why do you want hot water everyone else is getting cold water and that was even something my mother used to do when throughout her time in america and i i just thought that was so funny because even now in mongolia sometimes they ask for hot water sometimes i ask for cold water <laughs> just whatever whatever i'm feeling i think it is a little bit weird because mm-hmm. in shanghai weather is so hot oh, why yeah. they are doing hot water <laughs> i think it's <laughs> Water. Yeah, well, the the way some people explained it to me is culturally the hot water is better for the body. It's I guess smoother. It doesn't cause stomach aches. That's the way it was explained to me. I, for me, I just feel like sometimes it hot water just sips a little better. Like if I'm just chatting with friends and I just like something to sip on, I think hot water does just 
seem a little more soothing. But oh my gosh, in the heat of oh. summer, I totally agree. I would drink cold water. <laughs> like if I'm sweating outside, oh my gosh, drinking hot water is not fun. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. So anything else about travel? What kind of things did you learn from traveling? I think the most powerful things I've learned from traveling. Are about how so many different kinds of worldviews and ideas are all valuable. Because I think when we've only lived in our own country, sometimes and oftentimes we only see the world through the views of most of the people in our country. And for example, in America, it's weird to order hot water. So a lot of times. People would look at my mom like she was weird whenever we'd go to a restaurant and she would order hot water. But then, by coming to China and being surrounded by people who order hot water, then I realized, oh, so it's weird if I order cold water. And it, it helped me realize that in both cultures, the the opposite action is the right action. And this is this is so much the case with any country I've been to. Any. Sort of cultural thing I've discovered, and I think of it a lot too in terms of what we have and what we don't have. I I often meet people who who will tell me, oh, it must be so nice to live in a big city, or it must be so cool to maybe live in a big house. But for me, I. Living in other countries, I feel like it's nice to live in a small house. It's nice to live in a small city, and and here's why. I think sometimes it's just a lot more convenient to get around a small city. And in Erdene, for example, I can walk across the city in about half an hour to one hour. But in the United States, in Las Vegas, where where some of my family lives, one hour gets me. <laughs> Like barely anywhere I would want to go, <laughs> so it's extremely difficult for me to live in America compared to Mongolia when it comes to those sorts of distances. And similarly, like in a big house, I mean, I think there's this human tendency for us to just acquire things, to buy things, to to just want more than we already have. And I feel like a big, like a big house, just invites us to buy more things to fill the big house with. But here, I'm quite content to have my apartment, where it's a bit smaller than I was originally used to. But now I realize it's more than enough room for all the things that I really need in life. So I've loved how traveling helps me see what what I need, what I really need, and. Not just what I want. So,、uh, learning the cultures, learning that all sorts of worldviews are valid. Those are big life lessons, and to me too, just making friends with people from other countries, I think, is so special. I last year, as I said, I was in Panama, and that was an event called World Youth Day, where people from all across the world, and I mean pretty much all across the world, came to this one event and. It was so profound for me because I would meet people from Ecuador. I'd meet people from Uruguay. I'd meet people from Peru. I'd meet people from Taiwan. I met people from Poland, and so I met people from all sorts of these countries from all around the world. And what I loved is after that event, we would keep in touch, whether using Facebook, using WhatsApp, using WeChat, using Line, and the 
what I found was that whatever current events in their countries that were going on, those are real events that are really happening to people. I think sometimes, like I said earlier, when we live in our own country, we see the world just from our country. But when I made friends with these friends in Venezuela, for example, they would ask me to pray for them as their country went through a difficult election. And it helped me realize that when I see a news story from some other part of the world, like protests in Hong Kong, learning that there are real people being affected. Like I have friends in Hong Kong who would tell me about how it's affecting them. It, it makes just the whole world feel more real and more rich and more vast. And I think it just helps make life feel all the more interesting to travel. That was awesome. I encouraged to finish my bucklist. Travel <laughs> <laughs> bucklist, yeah. Great. Yeah, if you have something to say and I didn't ask it, you can say it and we can finish it. Oh, great. Well, do you want me to give contact information, how people can keep in touch? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, like I said, I'm Daniel Lang, and you can find me on Facebook, especially for those of you in Mongolia. I'm sure many of you have Facebook. And I also have my Mongolian name listed in parentheses, so Danish Lang. You can probably find that as well. I am on Instagram. I know many of you have that. My Instagram is Memory Lang. It's a pun, so it's M-E-M-O-R-Y-L-A-N-G. So if you like Instagram, you can look at that. I also use Twitter. It's also Memory Lang. I don't use Twitter too often. And I also blog. So if you want to read in English the (laughs) stories of this American who I am, telling other Americans about what it's like to live in Mongolia, then you can read that. My website is at www.daniellang.me. That's dot M-E. So you can find that or just take a link off my Facebook. And if you are in the city of Erdnet and you would like to participate in our English-speaking clubs, we have an Erdnet Speaking Club Facebook group that I heavily encourage you to join. That's where we post all the news. And I believe our current schedule is Mondays at 6 p.m. in the Nomintov, the book center or the library. And then that's for adult speaking club. Then for children or students, we'll do the same club on Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock again. We also have a TOEFL IELTS prep club on Wednesdays. Again, we have Facebook groups for all of these, so that will give you the current schedule. And then those are also evenings about 5 or 6 p.m. at the first school. Then on Thursdays, we have the movie club. That one is at 6.15 p.m. And the location sometimes changes, so look for the Facebook group for that one. And it's sometimes at the library, sometimes at the Children's Palace. Then on Saturdays at the Cornerstone Coffee Shop, we have another movie club. It's more family-oriented movies. And that one, I believe, is at 2 o'clock p.m. The schedule might be changing. We'll see. And finally, I have the Chinese Speaking Club on Sundays at 2 o'clock p.m. at the library as well. So all of these clubs, any level is welcome. I believe for the speaking clubs, 
a student should at least be seventh grade or above. I, I think it was because we had a lot of real young people. So try to be at least seventh grade or higher. But pretty much if you know some, some basics, you can learn the rest. And that goes for many of the clubs, really. The idea is that we're here to help. So all of it is free. And I encourage you, if you do have any questions, you want to keep in touch, message me, meet up at one of the speaking clubs so I can see you in person. And I will be here at least for another two years because with Peace Corps, we, we stay for at least two years. So because I arrived last August, I've got about another year and a half. So I look forward to meeting you if you are in Erdnet. Okay, yeah, I will attach the social networks, addresses, and something. Sounds great. And thank you for receiving our invitation and sharing your great experiences with us. Oh, well, you are very, very welcome. I hope that you learned a lot, and I hope that you're able to share this with many so that you too, listeners, can learn a lot.